All right, my friend Dale King, founder of Doc Spartan, recently announced affiliate representative of what states do you, do you have underneath your uh, your cape? You're a superhero now, Dale. What 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 states do you represent? We have the glorious and wonderful states of Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, and you clear down to Tennessee. And Tennessee, so you you might have to call up Rich and Matt and Tia and be like, look, I, I understand what you guys are doing down there, but I'm in charge now. I, I will, they will be the first ones I'm going to flex on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I wanted to talk to you because believe it or not, at 42 years old, that's how old I am. You see it because it's on Instagram. People are asking me about my, what would you call it? Like my beauty routine? I hate that. It sounds a little, you know, it doesn't sound too masculine when you call it that. Well, you know what? Sometimes the truth is the truth, Jason. If there's <laughs> anyone that defines male beauty, I believe it's you. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I, but I appreciate that. And, and for the men listening, it's pretty much only attractive women that are asking me, you know, and <laughs> I'm saying like, they're recognizing like beauty respects beauty, but they're also saying, tell me more about what you're doing. And I feel kind of silly. I'm like, look, it's this Doc Spartan stuff. I use it every single day. And you, you know, you guys have a few products out there, a few new ones. I'm talking mm -hmm. primarily and, and maybe give me the, the names that it goes by. I'll just tell you what I use. I call it the yep. scrub. I keep the scrub yep. in the shower. I use it every time I shower, once or twice a day. It's like, I use it primarily on my face and neck, but it's full body. And I can tell you when you're done using it, your skin feels like it's been moisturized in the shower. Yep. Yep, that's so what, it. What's the name of that? Is that just your Doc Spartan scrub? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have tons of body scrub. Um, the one... You know, we do a Thunder Bro scrub for you guys, but our top seller for men in the scrub line is our coffee scrub. So, yeah, all it is, we do everything. We make everything by hand here. Um, it's actually made by CrossFitters. Everyone that works for us either um, goes to the gym or is a part of the local community here. And um, the scrub essentially is a sugar-based scrub that you, uh, that you rub on in the shower. It gets rid of the dead skin. And then uh, it leaves your skin moisturized afterwards. So you don't have to use lotion when you get out of the shower. Does the, does the coffee one, which I'll definitely check out, does it have caffeine in it? Like, will I feel my face tingly? I don't know what the legal answer is, but I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> don't worry. No police officers or FDA <laughs> listen to this show. So we're all good. So, so we got the scrub, which I love. And then the other thing I use is the moisturizer. I believe it's like hair, beard, and face. But it's my go-to moisturizer. I put it on every time, like like I said, after I shower, rub it in, and I believe it's doing wonders. People are saying, "Hey, you don't look a day over 41," you know, and I'm 42, so it's working one year at a time. You're you're stopping the age clock as we speak. Yeah, I just wish I found it years earlier. I'd still be 29. <laughs> but we got the scrub, we got the moisturizer. What other cool products does Doc Spartan have that people can check out? So you, you hit on the, the top two there, but um, we're also we're probably most known for our combat ready ointment. Um, it's an all natural multi-purpose first aid ointment. So if you ever rip your hands up from, from workout or bust your shins, healing tattoos, um, you know, we used it on our, our twins as diaper rash. So it's a great uh, multi-purpose first aid ointment to have in the house. And then we also have a charcoal activated all natural deodorant. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That is the other thing I'm using, the deodorant. And I remember, you know, really important for me, 
going back to my teenage years, I developed an allergy to deodorant. And when I was first getting your deodorant, I, I like probably asked you 10 times, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I've only ever used the natural, like the Toms, the Jasons out there. And I was like, all right, I'm going to trust Dale. I'm going to slap this stuff in my armpits. And I've been fine. Now, in, in all fairness, I've not been wearing much deodorant during the quarantine. But when I do have to go out or when my wife tells me I'm getting stinky, I do use your deodorant. It's good stuff too. You could tell, you could tell it's natural just by the way it goes on. Right. Right. Yep. It's like I said, everything we do is made by hand and we use quality, all natural ingredients here. So it, it works and we're, we're not going to put anything out to the community that we haven't tested and vetted ourselves. So um, it holds up all day, multiple workouts, uh, whether you're doing CrossFit, rolling on the mats, uh, MMA, um, especially in the summer with all the nasty heat going on, it'll hold up for sure. Well, I love the products. Listeners can check it out. No better person to support than an affiliate owner, a veteran, you know, the ambassador for, for those four states. Um, you know, you really, it's awesome to give back to someone that deserves it, but also someone that's just in the community. So definitely go support Dale and support Doc Spartan. You can use the code BESTHOUR for 15% off of your order. So that's best hour for 15% off. Anything else you want to tell the listeners before we sign off, Dale? No, we we just, every order we truly appreciate. Uh, we're, we're a small team in a small town and uh, we appreciate everyone's business. So thank you. Well, thank you for keeping my face beautiful, reversing the aging process. And, and like I said, you just make it super simple for, especially for men. You know, we, we grow up not learning about this stuff. Luckily, my mom was always pushing me to put moisturizer on, even as a teen. I mean, she didn't have a daughter, so she, you know, took care of me. But for men, it's like, hey, you need to take care of your skin, too. Might as well buy something that looks a little more masculine. You know, yep. you got soap in the shape of a grenade. It doesn't get any more masculine than that. And like I was telling you beforehand, the stuff lasts forever. You don't need to use a ton of either the moisturizer and the scrub. I've had my same tin of scrub that I literally use every single shower. I've got to say it's been at least six or seven months that I've had it. So yeah. stuff lasts forever. It's good quality and you're supporting a good cause. So go check out Doc Spartan and use the code best hour for 15% off. Oh, I thought we were already going. So you're good, man. Oh, no, no, no. Here we go. Here we go. We are officially live with, with Chuck B. I'm sure I'm surprised you don't get that more often, Chuck B. Or do you? Uh -huh. You know, hit or miss, intermittent. It's uh, like the whole like Chuck Charlie Charles thing is like an odd fucking conundrum of adulting because like there's not a lot of good names associated with any of those. Charlie Brown. Charles Manson. Um, <laughs> Chuck Chucky, D. The little serial killer doll. Oh, uh, we Charlie got some. Wait, that's uh, a good Charlie. That's a good one. I mean, except they were like super poor and like his parents and grandparents all kicked it in the same bed and they ate cabbage soup. Hey, yes, but then eventually he got eventually, the golden ticket. Eventually got the golden ticket, right? That's, I guess that's the, the truest of stories. You are, well, let's say this. Maybe you are the one that's going to change the, you know, buck the system, change the trend. But you are, I would, I would put you up there as our top three to five most appreciated and also most wanted guests for a return. Like people 
really like you, Chuck, you know, That's so. That hits me in the feels. And I guess, like, relative <laughs> to the name, like, at least in, in CrossFit, man, we got Carswell. Yeah, I so, mean. Like, that it helps is, me hold it down. Chuck is probably the best name in CrossFit. I mean, you got your, you know, Rich, one person. Matt, one person. Tia, one person. Chuck, who, Bennington? Who, Carswell? Deuces. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to name my kid, you know, Chuck, just to, I mean, and you really can't get a better chuck than chuck carswell no it's uh it's been very cool to like have him in the community man he is like such a big asset i love that dude when do you decide to go by chuck or charles is that just a um, so it, like yeah we can get into like some backstory stuff this time this would be good like <laughs> this is, stories that's exactly what i was gonna say i just came off the marvel series came off like your like, marvel streak so you're like wait a second we've got to everybody we interview now Tell me about the so, gamma rays. Tell me about yeah. uh, the forties. Well, 40s. so like my, my my biological father went by Chuck, and him and my mom had like a super shit show divorce, and that was all when I was young. Like we we were like totally separate and independent of him by the time I was four, and we were relocated from Colorado. Don't know if we ever got into that. I was born in Colorado in Wheat Ridge. Um, That's like the next town over. I'm in Arvada. Yeah. Everything goes full circle. It's crazy. So he went by Chuck. So like my mom was like super sensitive and touchy about that. So through my childhood, it was like aggressively corrected to Charles. Anytime anybody called me Chuck and like that for sure did not make a, make the name any like easier growing up. Cause like, aside from the ones we've already referenced was Charles in charge. Most certainly was not in charge of anything early on in my life. Um, but Charles and, and Charles, like, that's another good one. You know? Yeah. Got to high school and all my friends were like, we're just going to call you Chuck. I was like, cool. I'm good with that. Cause I was never like, you know, leading the charge to be like, you know, Prince Charles, another one. So, so uh, how'd your mom, very much. So like I am, I am Charles and will always be Charles to her. I don't know what you did there, but I'm, I'm coming through twice. There we go. It's fixed. Uh, yeah. What'd I you should do? their audio. He fixed it anyway. So was there was there a big upheaval between you and your mom when you were like, "Hey, mom, call me Chuck," or was it had enough years passed? Yeah, she she calls me Charles, and it's fine. Um, I'm not I'm not that you know bothered by what everybody calls me or anybody calls me. I mean, been called a lot of names through the years. So if we get something that's like based around my actual name, like we're we're doing pretty decent. Well, so talk to me about what's been going on in your life during this quarantine, right? Right when I picked up, you know, like you said, what's going on? I said the quarantine could be worse, could be better, of course. What's been going on for you, for Vanessa, for just everything in your life and your tiny dog? Um, so I'm trying to like think timeline. So she was, she was fairly early in going back to work. You know, I mean, everybody's life was pretty similar, like initial quarantine, like everybody's like, I don't really know what's going on. I guess we're just going to kind of like sit here and figure some stuff out. Um, well, I take that back. It's been a while since we've connected. So last time yeah, I remember I you were on the show, but I think I, I remember having a chat with you in Florida. I was just out walking and we were on a long call talking about stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm trying to remember what the timeline for that was. So um, everything's either pre-quarantine or during quarantine. Right, dude. And like, can you believe in a couple of days it's August? That's wild. So that, that, yeah, that is insane. Look at this, so I made like, a coffee and I forgot to take my tea bag out of the coffee. 
Nice. From from my previous green tea. Nice. Been been trying to get back into the green tea game. Some matcha. Uh, yeah. So, but, uh, what is going on? Um, haven't been traveling that much. Got back into that recently. So I guess kind of like chronologically, everything shut down. Um. You know, we've, we'd already sold our gym, so we didn't have anything to, like, really pivot with any of that. But me and Tony Ronchi, he might be a good dude for you to have on to talk. He's got some some insights into, like, a long time in the game, like a long time in the affiliate owner and coaching side of things. I love Tony, and he's if he's listening, he's a welcome guest, but he also will know he and I have just struggled to coordinate a time on both ends. I take – it would be like – Oh, I had the wrong time zone. Oh, I had this. I'll reach out to Tony after this, though. I'll get him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, like, right now, like, well, everything's shut down. It might be a good time to intersect with him. So he and I um, have started a business together. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know about this. Yeah. So Fitfiliate. So, like, gym owner coaching specifically and only for CrossFit affiliates actively using the CrossFit methodology, both in their programming, but also, like, in their personal lives. So, like, dude, you've got to be all in. Like you have to still actually do CrossFit as a CrossFitter. And that has to be like the core offering for your business. And you need to be like an actual affiliate. Hold on, Chuck. There we go. You're, boun you're bouncing around again. Weird. Um, now you're good again. Any idea what that might be from? Just to make sure no. it's not on my end. You right now look like a cross between Dan Bailey and Rich Froning. Have you ever I know, that? isn't that incredible? But, like, if somebody saw me work out, they'd be like, oh, that's for sure not fucking either of them. <laughs> I didn't know Rich had a less fit twin. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Dan had a taller brother who's way less muscular. <laughs> Wait, so I, tell uh, me more. What? I've actually got, like, a good picture of the three of us together from, like, way back in the heyday when they were doing the CrossFit tour. Remember that? Like, going all the yeah. major cities. There's, like, a picture of, like, me and Rich and Dan. Um, anyway, so... So yeah, Tony and I had gotten into like coaching affiliate owners and kind of like a, a really more individualized solution to we don't, you know, we don't really identify in like the guru space, but for sure just like more perspectives and thoughts and kind of like fielding two points of view and and not really giving anybody answers and not giving anybody a template, but just like exploring like what are the root causes of your problems rather than tell you what to do. Let's figure out why these problems exist. And then just like coaching, like we'll hold you accountable to fixing them. Um, Sounds like therapy. I mean, isn't that what coaching is? Yes. You know, we were joking earlier about um, rescuing dogs and you were saying how we basically rescue humans. I guess we are like, what, what do you think is more important when it comes to being a good coach? Uh, connection with people or understanding and correcting movement? I would say that like that depends on the the athlete and the coach. Like I don't think that there is necessarily like a right or wrong answer for that, depending on like individual goals um, for the client, but then aligning with like the coach's own personal philosophy of coaching. I think that you can't effectively do one without the other in either direction. Um, I mean, you've got to be able to fix movement, and I think like that's that's kind of like you and Dr. Sean and I and talking about like a lot of it, like, you know, the whole coach like you mean it is the floor. Like you have to actually be good at your job before we worry about layering any of like the higher level, like more meta thinking shit into it. So 
I feel like coaching, correcting on purely a technical level, that is like a base level requirement. Like if you can't do that, you don't get to like pass go and collect $200 because at the end of the day, you're dealing with people's time and energy and money. And time and energy are fairly priceless and money sure as shit is valuable. So like you have to actually be good at the job. Um, and then like self admit too far down like the rabbit hole of like human connection and generally will seek to like over deliver on the service probably run into like willingly run into boundary issues with clients on occasion but you know I just I know how much fitness has like profoundly impacted my life and all of the people that I've met and everything that I've done in the last you know 13 years in the in this you know space and so I can't help it Maybe I need somebody to fucking give me some therapy. I'm not trying to save everybody from themselves. Is, is, can you be a good coach without having that deep rooted issue? Cause I'm the same. And that, and I would assume like me and, and you and Tony, you know, are the same where it's like, sometimes you just want to fix people that a aren't asking to be fixed and B, you know, it might not even have to do with fitness or nutrition. It's just like, I just want to kind of, fix your mindset right now because you're really dumb or you're being ignorant, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, and, and especially that you need to connect first. Well, and I think like that comes more with like the nature of like the section of the, you know, the, the fitness industry that we coach and, and the people that we coach with. Cause it's not like a fucking high school football coach. Like it doesn't fucking matter if you connect with people. Like this is a very simple, like finite game. Like there's you guys and you guys and fucking you win points and take points away from them. And like, here we go. I don't care if you like me. Like we've got a very basic job to do where we're like, Hey, I'm going to try and like save and change your life. And I want to like, hopefully have a relationship for the rest of your life. And when you start dealing with generally adult populations of general population, like recreational fitness enthusiasts for like lack of whatever you want to like term them or identify them. People at this point, especially aren't, cruising into CrossFit boxes because they're like early adopters like all of us like they're not looking through the journal to figure out how to make some fucking rings out of PVC or how to like build a you know cement kettlebell they're like uh if I don't figure out fitness I'm not going to get to meet my great grandkids if I don't figure out fitness I'm not going to get to watch my kids get married and so like I think for that group of humans that isn't like a high school or collegiate football player like people that aren't just driven by like points and getting a scholarship or something like you know you could probably get into like human motivation structures and like fucking status and all that. But like, it's a, it's a very different nature for the coaching role and for the client role. And so I feel like when you deal with like fitness, like really trying to deal with fitness and not a specific singular modality athletic focus, you have to have that like relationship connection side. Do you, do you think the quarantine is going to usher in a whole new group of people to do really any fitness, but primarily CrossFit, realizing, okay, this yep. was a huge, you know, eye opener. Like I'm not healthy and either I did or didn't get this COVID thing, but I was scared. Dude, I, I am extremely, extremely bullish on like the future of our industry as a whole, but especially like our place in it. A um, couple of things like, so you'd mentioned like people finally quantifying some amount of valuation on their health. It's really easy to like put off health and fitness and be like yeah i'll get to it yeah i'll get to it and then when you look at like you know mortality rates and it's like oh you super and people are like whoa wait 
you mean I could die from being unhealthy? And you're like, well, I mean, that's kind of always been the case. I don't, I don't know why we had to go down this road for you to like appreciate that. But yeah, being unhealthy is not fucking cool. And that, that check might get cashed sooner rather than later. Um, so I think like very positive about the future of the fitness space and then like relative to what we do, like actual functional, meaningful, real fitness plus the element of a human connection. There are a lot of lonely humans right now. Like you and I are well-networked dudes, like, and we've got a lot of people that like we can reach out and connect with. And there's a lot of people that have been basically like living very, very shallow lives since March, especially with all of their potential like social outlets removed. You know, if they don't have close groups um, in like their their work environments, even if they're remote, like just to have some people to reach out to, if they don't have like good supportive spouses or partners. Like, I don't know, man, it, it would be a really rough time to recognize that like, oh, without this silly bullshit that I kind of busy myself with, like I am, I am not living the life that I want to live regardless of my state of like health affairs. To recognize that, like you don't have a tribe. Humans want tribes, bro. When you, when you come to the realization that you're like, oh fuck, I like, I legit don't have a tribe. Like who are my people? Who's there to have my back? Who's gonna like help me survive like literally and figuratively? I think that's where like CrossFit as a community ends up being the thing that, that gets a lot of people that build new habits with fitness and exercise to be like, this is the piece that I'm missing. And I mean, for the, all of the people that we've got um, in Fit Affiliate, like they have seen way above average growth since the reopenings of their gyms, like everybody across the board. Um, a lot of people like just kind of like, business centric PRs of ACV, LTV, total membership numbers, like lead flow. It's, it's going to be a good time for fitness. Yeah, I know for a while, and I still believe people will find fitness at home. I think the Pelotons, I think CrossFit's going to launch something for at home. I don't have any insight into that, but pretty sure that they're going to do something. And I think step one is people are realizing we need to exercise. This is actually important. It's not something like you said, I can start when I retire. Like turns out, you know, time under tension, the volume under the curve, like Coach Glassman talked about with health is important. But I, I, the idea of tribes is, is huge because people ask me, you know, you know, do you miss people? I'm like, I talk to people all day, you know, and, and not only like that, like I'm talking to you now. I spoke to my buddy in New York earlier. I speak to Fern and Todd almost like, I don't really feel like I'm missing human connection, but I do miss, I think there's a difference between I'm on these calls connecting. I love this. And then having your local tribe. Cause I think, do you yeah. think the idea of tribe is by nature or default local? Can you be, I, you know, there's small. And then I want to just say, you know, cause I, and I swung by the local box here for the first time. What's today? Wednesday on Monday just happened to drop by the owner was there this box Ralston Creek CrossFit's about 10 minutes away and I was saying like I miss this like and he invited yeah. me in and we're probably gonna do some coaching here and there with him um so I'm excited about that like it definitely Roz and I miss that but can you be can you be part of a virtual drive I think that I mean I know that you can because like that was CrossFit especially for like us dudes that have been around for a while like you didn't have the ability initially to have a localized CrossFit tribe but I think it's it's a little bit different to look at like the literal belonging of a like 
a tribe is a piece of like localized human connection and so much of like the nature of human relationships is like body language, facial expressions, like oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, social bonding. But then you can still be a tribe in like in a non-local remote sense. And I think that ties into identity and belonging. And I think that like that's that's been a lot of this journey for me, probably for you, probably for I mean, most of the people that we probably like know in our network, it's like initially you were a part of the tribe in a removed sense non-locally because you started to change your identity to like belong to this group of people and you're like fucking super hard workouts in the park yeah people like me do things like that like you know 100 pull-ups in a workout when most people can't do one like yeah people like me do things like this and then eventually you're like I need to connect with the tribe and so what do you do like you you go to a gym or you fucking start a gym and I mean like you know like you're saying the the home gym stuff I I don't think that's ever going to go away I think that ends up increasing exponentially but at the same time i think like face-to-face gym membership stuff does and i think if you i don't know how you would like actually find a data point for it but i would venture to guess that anybody that's been a consistent like fitness enthusiast and some kind of coached capacity in a gym for probably three and a half or more years probably also has a home gym because they recognize like oh it's not either or like these both fulfilled different pieces of this overall fitness journey, which is overall part of like my human journey. Cause I, I have recognized through the life lessons and the personal growth that like fitness has shown me, I cannot be a healthy, happy, productive, functioning human without exercise as a regular part of my life. I also need social connection, but sometimes I'm not going to be able to have my cake and eat it too. Sometimes I need to smash a 10 minute workout in the morning and like go about my day. And so I'm going to have some stuff at home maybe the whole world's going to shut down for six months and I need to have the ability to like get my fitness on with or without the tribe. And so I think like the long tail of this is that hopefully, hopefully I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I feel like fitness becomes reevaluated as kind of a foundational piece of, I don't know, like the human condition. And I don't know where we got away from it. And I think it's probably like, you know, you could probably go back and look at, transitioning from agricultural revolution to industrial revolution, like the the nature of modern education and work and just being removed from like physical existence stuff. But damn dude, there was no sedentary caveman because that motherfucker was dead like early on. If he didn't get eaten by a saber toothed tiger, like the tribe kind of ousted him because they're like, bro, you can't have any more fucking berries and deer, homie. You don't do shit. You're done. <laughs> Here. No, and I, and I think you're right. And for me, it's funny. Like I've, in my last three homes, this one included, I always have something in the garage. You know, I've had the most, you know, upscale garage gym in New York, and then I had a m- mediocre one in Florida, and then, then I got enough here to get, you know, get shit done. But like you said, it's not either or. And I think you have that for when life throws, you know, it, it's stressful days and weeks and months at you, whether it's, you know, the quarantine, a new kid, whatever's going on, and then you still need your tribe. I think that's a great analogy. And I think, you know, take me, for example, I pretty much can program for myself. I know what I'm doing. Of course, I can use a coach. Everyone can. But I don't need a gym. But I need a gym. Bingo. Well, and like, you know, it's it's lonely being like a high-level coach. It's lonely being a gym owner. If for nothing else, um, and there's a lot of social stuff we get into that, like nobody coaches you. And like, dude, everybody needs coaching in some level, whether that's just like somebody 
motivating and encouraging you or somebody giving you like some of the actual like true technical fixes that you have lost sight of yourself because you just you get really good at doing the shit that you like or like you're just removed from that feedback mechanism and it's like I I know how to snatch I know how to muscle up to the point that like I'm probably not going to shoot videos of myself to like really figure out where that other you know five pounds or ten seconds of progress is hiding these days so yeah, yeah. like you need coaches you need social connection you know it's it's been really really good so I've we as like the gymnastic course like we're we're back to doing limited course offerings in select places with reduced cap sizes and a socially distanced course and you know blah 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 like how do you bit. do that with the gymnastics course is probably one of the most hands-on when it comes to spotting how have you guys navigated that just we we rewrote the entire curriculum as like a self-spotted and individual progression-based curriculum which initially none of us were super excited about um but i think a lot of that is like you you get very comfortable and complacent with the thing that you know that you're very deeply experienced in and i think that that has been one of the limitations like as a post-course feedback from so many people they're like dude that course is incredible that's one of the best pieces of education i've ever gotten i understand so much more i'm coaching a class and i can spot only one person at a time and like there's a million ways as a good coach you can problem solve that like in a you know, very easy, safe, fun, healthy manner, but it requires like a fairly steep learning curve of experience and awareness. But for all of the people that have come through to just like immediately on day one, Monday morning, roll back into their gyms or their home gyms and be like, cool, like I have a clearly defined progressive path to reaching my gymnastic goals and I can do it by myself if needed. Or as a coach, I can run a class and not have to touch a single person and make like sound, effective, efficient, March toward progress. So it's, it's been very cool. Um, you know, well, it's in, cool in that the, you know, you know, it's like that adapt or die mentality. It's pretty cool that you guys did that. I'm sure you and, and Tony and maybe, you know, Tucker and a couple other people, I don't know who else got on a call and I'm sure it was hours upon hours of, of thinking and rewriting, but you know, you, you, and now you guys are back in action where some other seminars aren't. So I think it's really, for, for all of this and for box owners that are listening, like, you know, those that put this marks on the floor to be six feet apart, like we're, we're living in a different world. Hopefully at some point we overcome this, but you have to adapt, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's been good. You know, we haven't seen, we haven't seen a, like a pushback into a higher demand set from the coaching perspective, but you know, we're so early on in this, but I think, a lot of coaches are going to recognize like, oh, if this or something like it happens again and I am relegated to doing like at-home programming for an entire gym population, I should probably have a broader, deeper skill set of helping people move their bodies, especially if that's potentially the only thing I can reasonably program for most of the people in the gym because there's only so much gym equipment you can like lend out or rent out. And the average, I would say the average gym member does not have a garage gym set up. And like, I think, you know, at least from my experience, somewhere around three years or so is where people start to really accumulate like a couple extra pieces because they're going on vacation or, you know, they got a sick kid or whatever. And they're like, I should probably get a kettlebell. Well, maybe I should get some rings. <laughs> you know, some parallettes might be nice. And before you know it, you're like, looks like we're parking in the street because gym number two is here. But uh, anyway, yeah. So rewrote everything. Um, it was definitely like a bit of a, 
a creative thinking exercise, not because we were missing any of the, of the pieces, um, but just getting away from like biases and like, you know, just what you know after coaching 200 face-to-face -face seminars that are all based in spotting. And you're like, okay, what would this look like if you couldn't touch anybody? And like, that's a very different like shift. But it's probably fun too. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, having worked 200 seminars myself, like still very much look forward to it, but it, it's cool when you have a new challenge, whether it's a new lecture, a new, you know, something new to coach or just completely rewrite it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I think similar to like an earlier touch point in the conversation is like getting back into on the athlete side as a coach, like being coached again by somebody, but like as a coach, that's kind of like done your thing and in your role for a substantial amount of time to like, cool, let's learn, let's grow, let's develop, like, let's have some new challenges. You know, like the first time I, I had like a truly adaptive seminar group, like that was a huge, huge learning experience. And it's, it's, you know, something that like you can manage on the fly fairly easily with like, you know, a handful of people. Um, you probably know like David Wallach and Virginia Rubicon CrossFit, like he's really deep into like the adaptive community there. And we went out to do a gymnastic course, like, you know, it's probably six or seven years ago now but like his entire staff is adaptive and so it was like oh you've managed it in ones and twos before figure it out with 12 people no notice saturday morning let's go and like it, it you know it ends up being one of my fondest memories of like coaching a seminar but also one of my best growth opportunities and so yeah you know rewrote the course um we've waited a long time to get back i know that Talking to Eric uh, Preston a lot through the last couple of months, especially they they were pretty quick to be able to get back into doing some seminars, and a lot of that is because the staff is so broad and so like regionally dispersed. But we kind of let them figure out a little bit of like the new seminar world for a while, and then found like where we could make an entrance that felt like we were doing the right thing in all the ways, not necessarily from like a safety or COVID perspective to, to make sure that like we could deliver the most value and that like, you know, any stumbling block that would take away from the participant experience, like we were aware of. Um, so it's been, it's been really good. And definitely like you, you know, you figured out dropping into the box, like missed that human element of it. Like I yeah. spend like five or six hours a day, like taking phone calls and zoom calls and there's no shortage of like humans that I love and interact with on a regular basis. But dude, there is just something about being in a room full of people doing fitness. And I think that ties back into like probably a lot of what the tribe was doing. Like the tribe was hunting, the tribe was building, the tribe was fighting, like some piece of physicality in a group setting is very, very deeply hardwired into us. And I think anybody that's, you know, experienced like a well-run culture and community and class they know that that taps into something very very deep-seated into like what makes us human well and there's a reason every crossfit affiliate out there has numerous couples you know that have gotten together oh because yeah of, you know because you know it's like that's where you connect i think we'd all survive like this for some time but eventually i mean Roz has seen me out you know, I got a new buddy that works at Home Depot just because I got talking to him, Jared, you know, and he's helped me out. He's educated me, but he's also come over. And I think we both were like, hey, we get along well. We have this thing in common that we want to build. Come over. Like, let's be friends. So I think yeah. there, there's something cool about that. Go go back to your Fitfiliate for, with me for a second. So you and Tony started this 
during the quarantine? I mean, what- we'd, we'd started, you know, Tony had been doing it for a while, um, just in kind of like a, a business consulting role, not specific to like the fitness industry, but Tony's, Tony's like started, sold, transitioned a handful of businesses. And so he, he was doing some consulting stuff and he and I, since we both sold our gyms, we we're just, dude, it's, it gets inside you. I mean, you've, you, what, you own three affiliates? Three, yep. You'll probably, you'll probably end up with a fourth at some point. I don't know. That, you know, I get I mean, you know, lot. you know, you won't say it on camera, but like, you know, it's just Roz that's like, no, Jason, don't be a fucking dummy. And you're like, I kind of feel like we should do it right now. If, if I got part of a, became part of a community out here, and the owner was like, hey, I want you to have a small piece of it to help me grow it. I don't think I'd say no if I felt like I was staying in one spot. I don't, yeah. I don't think I'll ever decide to start, unless like everything Brown, I'm doing currently, to me, I told Roz, I was like, opening a new affiliate is like my, you know, like you said, ground zero or, or kind of fallback plan. Like I know I can open an affiliate to make money, like as my job, as my income, until I, until I need that income, I'll continue to just chat with people on best hour of their day. Yeah. So, you know, just you, you end up missing it. And so it was, I do miss it. I do miss it. And I think there's the intersection of missing it and wanting to be involved in it, but also probably a lot of like what moved you into seminar staff is like, you start thinking about like impact and legacy and you're like, dude, I could make the biggest gym in, in the fucking world, but it still doesn't magnify the impact of working with other coaches and other owners. And so like, you know, for a lot of people that's moving into seminar staff, they're like, I got 150 people at my gym and I've seen how profoundly I've changed their lives. How do I do that at scale? And so, you know, and looking at like, well, what's the next step from that? And some of it ties into the seminar stuff because the the gymnastic course, I think is probably a very different experience than most seminars. And that's not just like my own bias in it. That's from a lot of the conversations and the feedback that we get that it's like, people need to bridge the gap. And some of that is like in the pursuit of virtuosity, people realize that like they are not aligned in their coaching philosophy and what they want to do with like how their culture and community should kind of organize. And so, yeah, and it was always the missing link. People were like, dude, I loved it. Like, what do I do with it? How do I make this work? How do I change a bunch of stuff in my gym? And you know, you hear that even after people go through like their L1 or their L2, like they're fucking fired up on Sunday night. They're like, that's it Monday? The bullshit squats stop, man. Everybody's <laughs> fucking wall balls are dialed in. No more shady thrusters. And like by the time they get to like Monday afternoon, they're like, I, I don't know, guys. Just stay safe. Have fun. We'll get some high fives. Keep well, paying your bills. Don't get hurt. That's something Chuck says at the end of most seminars. He's like, look, you know, you just got a lot of information. Start slowly. Yeah. But yeah you nailed it. But, I, you know, I've, I've been asked numerous times my favorite seminar, uh, specialty seminar. It's always the gymnastics course. I mean, if, if you're looking, I mean, aside from just the theoretical hierarchy of an athlete, right, where it's a below um, weightlifting. Below all the and, cool kid stuff. Yeah. It's just, you know, if you're going to teach your athlete something, why, why not how to control their own body? Yeah. And I think we got into that a little bit on, like, our, our first um, podcast together. Is like, you know, whether you're looking at the hierarchy of athletic development, or if you're looking at like the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum, you know, if on a basic level, gymnastics is defined as moving your body, then like, dude, if you can't move your body, like you're, you're not fit. You're probably not even well. In fact, you're probably in assisted living. So like you, you lost out on that one. And then if you look at, we might be redundant in this, I don't know. Stop me if I, I am redundant, but you know, you look at the 10 general physical skills, 
everybody wants to do cardio, stamina, strength. Everybody measures like their self-worth with power and speed, but everybody straight up avoids flexibility, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. And you're like, wait a second, these five that you just hard dodge as hard as possible, isn't that pretty much all the gymnastics stuff? And you're like, yeah, but you know, don't worry about it. Well, and, and I agree with you. And I think most people have a really, well, with the imbalance, I'd, I'd call it, for, for their weightlifting versus gymnastics, you know, especially just everyday life. Be open that, like, that is not you thinking yeah. that. Like, we get a very large data set all the so time. Maybe, it's like, oh, you can, you can snatch body weight and a half, but you can't do a set of six toes to bar. Like, bro, this, you are not fit. Yeah, you know, and, and not to mention, granted, you'll probably never need to do a seventh toe to bar to save your life but you also are strong enough for anything that's going to come your way too. I mean, if you, I forget, I think Pat Sherwood was like, if you can deadlift 300 pounds, like you're plenty strong. You never need to be stronger. So don't focus. You know, I think, I think the, the reason people shy away from gymnastics more so is just in, you know, you know, how do I get better at gymnastics? Well, obviously technique and all that, but also, well, if I'm leaner and eat better, magically my gymnastics become easier, but that's a lot harder. Just, that, we talk about that in like the the athletic hierarchy like we're like hey nutrition gets glossed over with you and your clients all the damn time because it's touchy and emotional and weird but like spoiler alert fat people know they're fat you can be honest about it they establish the relationship with you as a coach because like they want help you got you know mary sue ellen who spends 15 20 minutes a day working on all this extra programming and skill work you're giving her for pull-ups and toes to bar but like straight up she can't do it because she's in a 50 pound weight vest the fastest progress for her to make in gymnastics is more fucking broccoli and water, not more drills, not more progressions. Yeah. I mean, nine out of 10 people that get their first muscle up will attribute it to, Oh, that last cue is what did it. But typically it was the three months of, Hey, remember all this talk about nutrition that you've been doing and now you're 15 pounds, you know, and that's all it takes. I mean, I've seen women at boxes where it's like they lost six pounds and now all of a sudden they have pull-ups, handstand push-ups. They can do a muscle up. Well, I'm like, you know, I talk about that regularly. It's like, dude, go get a five pound dumbbell and tell me how terrible a set of ring dips feels. You know, how many clients in your gym would just like love to only have five pounds to lose, 10 pounds to lose, 15 pounds to lose. And you start appreciating like the adipose tissue that a lot of like gen pop clients are carrying, like that is the biggest limitation to their gymnastic progress. It's, yeah, it's tripping me on. And then you see those people that, bias themselves I, I used to get so mad back in my box owner days I, I loved the strongman community and it was huge but it was typically the people men and women that were overweight yeah like, hey it turns out I'm really good at lifting stuff yeah because you're a little heavier weight moves weight and you know now that's all they do and we all probably bias our lives period oh, yeah, right for sure but you know I'd rather do bur- if someone asked me to program a workout, there's going to be burpees, there's going to be handstand pushups in it. There's not going to be running and there's not going to be heavy snatching, but I'm not ignorant. Those people are just like, eh, blinders on, weight moves weight. Let me, let me work on what I'm good at. Well, and I think like you, you know, you touched on like something interesting and like, so a lot of people avoid gymnastics because they know that there's a sore spot relative to their nutrition. And if you look just strictly on the movement side, 
gymnastics forces you to really like humble yourself in a way that I think a, not a lot of other like pieces of modalities do. Like you're, you're never going to get just like this one magic cue that all of a sudden puts it all together for you. And like, dude, there, I mean, you, you've probably taken part in, in an unknown number of like coaching sessions where you put 15, 20 pounds on somebody's snatch or clean and jerk in under an hour. Fucking nobody's going from one muscle up to 10 muscle ups in an hour. Nobody's going from like no muscle ups to one muscle up in an hour unless like the foundation's there. So like gymnastics just like forces you to develop like perseverance and determination and patience. And like, it, I think there's, there's a lot of really beautiful like human growth and development that comes out of like having to contend with trying to move your body better. And especially when you start looking at like not checking boxes of like good rep, no rep and like the RX or scaled division, but like the pursuit of virtuosity, like how much better could that rep have been? Cause it doesn't matter that you just got it. Like how good is it? How could it be better? What's the next step? And like, I, I don't know. I think it's a really like beautiful, cool piece of the whole journey, but dude, it fucking scares people away. And I mean, you know, for sure, like there are people that would love to do their L1, but like they don't think they're fit enough. And they're like, dude, I got to train to go to my L1. And it's like, no, just come now so you don't fucking waste a bunch of time and energy. Like, you know, magnify that a hundred times over with the gymnastics. Cause like on average, we are people's third or fourth seminar. What do you usually see before that? Level one? One, two in lifting or yeah. one in weightlifting. So, but you guys are right behind. Hard to compete with Coach B uh, with weightlifting. And, and it's great stuff. But again, and, and I've been to that numerous times as I've been to gymnastics numerous times. But I think, hey, if you're going to follow the hierarchy, you know what to do. Right. Well, you know? I mean, I, I did it too. Like, you know, I, I was young and dumb. And I went from like my one to my weightlifting and like fell like deeply in love with moving a barbell with a bunch of kilos on it. But I think that as a tie into like the earlier pieces, like because progress is easily quantifiable. Like I went up five pounds, I'm better. Like I added 10 kilos, I'm better. Gymnastics is like, nope, 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 nope. And then you get it and you're like, I then have no like, idea what the fuck was different about right. that muscle up attempt than the 10,000 I failed before it. And you're like, I don't know. So it's, it's just, yeah, you have to really start being like very journey driven and not destination driven in it. And I think like that's a hard piece for a lot of people. That's a hard piece in life. For sure. Yeah. Like, really yeah. For anybody listening, like we're not talking just fitness, but like as two dudes that, you know, generally spend a little bit of time and energy trying to be better dudes. It's really, really fucking hard to just like focus on the process of continual improvement and just look for that like 1% per day across the board. And man, it's fucking way easier to coast. <laughs> it's way, it is way easier to coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, so go, what has been the most common theme you've, you've gotten from these affiliates that you're working with? Uh, that they don't have businesses? They have, they have hobbies. hobbies. Or How do you, what do you hear? You're talking to somebody new. What are some of the trigger words or sentences or what are you listening for to understand? I have a, business versus a hobby maybe other than how much money they're making well so yeah like i you know i think that one of the earlier things that kind of like cues us into it is just talking about like goals 
And I think that so many affiliate owners get like so overwhelmed in the day to day. And like, it is so much of just like treading water, trying to breathe, trying to put out fires that like they lose sight of everything they wanted to do when they opened an affiliate and like had these big, grand, incredible dreams of like really changing their communities with fitness. And they're like, I would just like to make like $500 a month and not have to be here 18 hours a day. And we're like, cool, shit's broken, yo. But I think that like, there's, you know, a, a book that we often assign people as like a pretty early on thing to read or listen to on Audible is The Magic of Thinking Big. And Who wrote I think that? that like, um, I definitely want to recommend to that if you guys recommend it to your yeah, dude, I, I love it. I'll, I'll usually listen to it. Like it's really short. I'll listen to it kind of like probably quarterly. Um, the magic uh, of thinking big by David Schwartz. Nice Jewish guy. I, I, I'll buy it. Actually, I just found it. Google the magic of thinking big and you can find it right on YouTube if you want to watch it there or I'm sure you can go buy it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty short, but man, it, it like, there, we could, we could unpack an entire deep conversation on this. Like, dude, people just stop like dreaming and being like ambitious and thinking big. And I think one of the biggest like aha conversations that we have with people and they've got like these little myopic viewpoints of like, just trying to survive. It's like, Hey, you know, absolutely everything that you know and love as CrossFit was all spawned from a single gym in Santa Cruz. And people are just like, Oh shit. I've never thought about it like that. And it's like, dude, like the, the sky is literally the limit. Like what you start in your gym has the potential to change the entire planet. If you so choose, I'm not saying everybody needs to go that route of trying to like, you know, fight big sugar and fight big pharma and create a health initiative and change medicine and like rewrite the entire like lexicon of strength and conditioning and change everything. But like, dude, you don't have to play like super small and super safe. And if I open an affiliate again, I mean, Vanessa would probably cut my dick off. <laughs> but you know, you, you kind of weigh it. Um, Cause prosthetic oh, yeah. dicks are probably super cool these days. Hey, I'd last longer with a prosthetic dick. Right. <laughs> it vibrates, <laughs> it lights up. This thing's incredible. It's got a bottle opener on it. <laughs> you just be like, hey Roz, how long do you want to go tonight? I'll set right, it Right, yeah. But like, I would, I would think so much bigger. Yeah, we'll move to Especially Colorado. Look at like where COVID is like transition models and pivoted an industry and you're like, you know, like, think, you know, we, we were, we're pretty close to like, you know, Miranda and Julian through street parking because we do journals for them with Jim Gypsy. And it's like to really try to wrap your head around like an online fitness community of 30,000 people. That's incredible what they've created. But even take a step back and talk about Vanessa. I mean, Jim, Jim Gypsy's kind of become synonymous with journaling these days at, at the gym level. And I remember, I mean... I'm, maybe I'm biased. Maybe I see what you guys put out on social media. I'm sure that's a big part of it. But I remember the first one I got, I don't know if you guys sent it to me or whatnot. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And then all of a sudden you see like people buying it, people sharing it. Like, but the point is something like that spawned yeah. from your wife just being like, hey, there needs to be a better way. Let's think big. Right. And I mean, like that's, you know. I think that's like been a reoccurring theme for her and I like in our own lives like <laughs> this isn't it there's got to be a better way like let's do something about it. like her and I were both like previously married and in our previous marriages it was like this isn't it like there needs I'm, to be more 
I'm t- you know what there needs to be? A better spatula. I agree with you. Like, I feel like the spatula has peaked and no one's willing to take it to the next level. You know, We've I gone through like- I really like, I'll have to like text you a picture. It's like a silicone one. It's, it's a pretty good spatula. That might be the one we got. But even that, it's like 10 bucks. I'm like, someone needs to put out a $70 spatula that does better shit than this $10 <laughs> silicone one. Yeah, and that lasts forever and I'd buy it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm at a point in life where it's like, I'll make one nice purchase that I'm gonna just, you know, keep forever. Buy once, buy once. There's, but that's that's really you know, you know maybe somewhat of a joke, but it's also like that's where a lot of people get to. Okay, this is it. This is where we're at. These are journals. This is what online training looks like until a disruptor or someone yeah. that is willing to put in the work comes along and says, "No, I can do it better." Yeah, and I mean, fuck if that's not like you know, kind of CrossFit like CrossFit's piece of fitness just like totally distilled down to like just you know you look around. Try to imagine a fitness world and industry like where CrossFit hadn't existed. And like you have to reflect back to like, you know, the early 2000s and you're like, dude, there, there were no pull-up rigs. There were no rings. There, you know, the only kettlebells you could get were through Dragon Door. Like nobody could snatch. Nobody could clean your Fuck, you know, there, there was two guys in the entire community that could, you know, do an RX Isabel and fucking one of them was split snatching the whole time. It was like Greg Amundsen and Josh Everett. Josh Everett, like, yeah. And just, you know, you, you try to imagine, like, it, the, the world is profoundly and forever changed. And, like, you see that in, like, all of these industries. Like, I was talking to a financial advisor um, and coach friend, and he coaches on the gymnastics staff. He might actually be a really fucking rad dude for you to have a, a chat with, um, just to talk about, like, finances in the coaching world. Because, like, that's his market just because he's passion-driven. He, like, a bunch of, bunch of people just trying to, like, go paycheck to paycheck with, like, no benefits, retirement. Anyway whatever, different conversation. But he's like, do you know how fucking nuts you would have thought your financial advisor was if he told you to invest $10,000 in an online bookstore? And you look at Amazon and you're like, oh, 10 grand is the IPO. Like it'd be a $12 million investment, but it just seems fucking ludicrous because you're like a a bookstore online. Like, nah, man, I'm just going to go to Barnes and Noble and grab my shit. And like, dude, every industry has like that innovator that steps in and just like at some point eventually just cock stomps everybody. Like you look at Tesla, more valuable than like the next three automakers in the world combined. But while we're on the subject, let's talk about it for a moment before we wrap up. What was your thoughts, your emotions and all that? Because we haven't spoken since the, you know, infamous tweet went out. Um, You know, we're talking about the guy that we're basically, you know, we're talking about Coach Blasman. He's he is the Elon Musk or the Jeff Bezos of the fitness world, right? Like he came in completely flipped it on its head um and now he's gone i mean officially as of maybe a day or two ago eric rosa and his company or whoever bought it and he's taken over by the way like i was saying move to boulder we'll put crossfit sanitas right out of business uh- <laughs> I, I took a job there like way back in the day when they first opened i've still got like an email somewhere but uh so like what what part of it would you like my thoughts on or you perspective know- any of it people wouldn't when we've had you on in the past i think people i think people just enjoy honesty they enjoy transparency you're not like super emotional about it uh, so i think people yeah. just be interested in, in what a level-headed person that's been around for a long time thinks about it so you know i mean obviously if you've been around for a while like there is no shortage of like criticism 
against Greg. Um, and right or wrong, the dude for sure operates on a very different level than most people. And I think that anybody's that ever, anybody that's ever spent any amount of time with somebody that like really is a super high level intellectual, they know that like things don't always like come through conversationally in the best way. And like your smartest friend is also probably the one that you're like, wait, what the fuck did you say? And it's not necessarily because it's, it is trying to contextualize what you think it might be. And I think that it was, it was a very poorly timed tweet. And I think relative to all of the social issues going on, it was insensitive, but I don't think the tweet itself was racist. I think it was making a comparison of, public health is a crisis and racism is a crisis. If you try to make these like analogs that are synonymous, you detriment the ability to tackle either one effectively. Um, but that wasn't all said. So some of that's like my assumption of like something taken out of context. And by the time, by the time it happened, like I don't know that he ever could have put the genie back in the bottle. All of the email stuff with Alyssa and Rocket, I, I feel like if you're going to take a communication public in the interest of honesty and transparency, the entire thread needs to be public because like me personally, like I've had interactions with coaches and clients and people that like, if a singular communication was taken out of context with like my side of the story presented, like it could be very damning and very damaging. And that's not to say that the other side of the story is correct because like, as you and I know, like, in two sides of two stories, the truth is for sure in the middle and both people are for sure like wrong and subject to their own confirmation bias. So I didn't put a lot of weight in the email um, because I would have wanted to see the whole thing. And that's, that's not to be on anybody's side or not. Just, I don't want to take a limited piece of information and make like a judgment call about it without having everything. Um, as a former affiliate owner, I feel like there, there are a lot of people in the community that are, they're they're searching and asking for quite a bit for a basic licensing agreement for use of a name and i think that the nature of giving and receiving is if you got all the things you wanted from crossfit they'd probably ask quite a bit more from you and i don't know if you'd be as excited about the nature of that relationship when they're coming into potentially audit classes or review your marketing or like look at coaching timelines and see how many people on your staff have their l3 or their l4 and so like i was always happy to pay my affiliation fee because I thought that it conferred enough value. Because if I had, you know, one and a half humans that had gym memberships because specifically they wanted to do CrossFit, then like, cool, it paid for itself. I think a lot of people don't like amortize that cost across their entire year, but whatever, I guess that's different. I think a lot of people are probably not as educated as they should be in like the difference of an affiliation, a licensing agreement, the franchise. So I don't feel that the affiliates have been done a disservice by CrossFit at any point. I think they still put out more valuable free, re I mean, truly free resources for the community at large, but also resources for the affiliate owner community that most people take advantage of. You've got a million shitheads spending a million shithead dollars on stupid fucking ebooks. And it's like, have you looked in the CrossFit journal? Cause all this stuff's been answered for 13 years. Um, so anyway, I don't think the tweet was inherently racist, but I do think it was a bad idea, ill-timed and insensitive. I would be very interested to get like a deeper follow-up, like, from Greg in like in the intellectual sense of comparing statistically objectively like his thoughts on racism and public health because the dude is he's smart and whether you agree with him or disagree with him if you know whoever you disagree with the most probably has you has the greatest opportunity to teach you something and so I think like it could be a, a good perspective and framework shift for a lot of people and that's not because there's right or wrong but it's like 
are you developing and growing and getting better or are you like complacent and that that falls for everybody um and you know the the email didn't carry a lot of weight to me because i hadn't seen the entire thread so those are my quick and easy thoughts and anybody's like free to reach out to me and i'll, I'll talk to you in depth about any of it and all of it so no and i think you're very much in line with exactly how i'm thinking i think you i couldn't have said it better so you just nailed it do you think do you think there's a, a point in time where he's welcome back professionally no but personally i would i would like that i mean dude i love him or hate him the dude has done more for like the state of entrepreneurship health and fitness and science than anybody else that i can think of um, across all of those industries and i think the community would be better with him involved than not involved and i think that you know the other piece we didn't get into is like criticism of crossfit as a racist organization they they have ended up in a difficult place as an organization because if they highlighted some of the examples of where they haven't been racist as an organization then it looks like pandering and just like as chuck carswell and eric preston being like two of my favorite dudes in like the industry not just the organization but like two tremendous incredible humans that are in two of the highest ranking positions within the organization like that's hard for me. And there is a lot of other like minority inclusion, but like those are two easy examples that are based on my own personal relationships. Um, I don't know that there's a single sport that has a more equitable qualifying process than CrossFit. I don't know that there's a single sport that has a more equitable like benefit and reward structure than CrossFit. So like I look at those things and like it's really hard for me to be like, you know, CrossFit I don't think is a racist organization. I think that the nature of economics has created some inclusion problems and I'm, I'm very, very happy to see a lot of the scholarship stuff developing on both like a micro and macro level with that. But separating like any of the economics of like box membership or gym equipment outfitting, I guess even with that, dude, how many fucking, how many videos have you seen of like people putting together open workouts with fucking rocks in like Afghanistan? Dude's like weighing out sticks with like jugs of water attached and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna do my thrusters. I don't know. Whatever. We'll have to do a follow-up on that. I got a, I got a three o'clock, but I love you, man. I, I would talk about that all day, but. All right. Well, be before you sign off, where can people find out more about Fitfiliate with you and Tony? Uh, just on, on Instagram, just at Fitfiliate. Just, uh, yeah. If anybody's like heart was broken through the series of all that and they really question where they sat, we'd love to just like chat with you for an hour about like what, what your core values are and what your mission is. And like, is this something that still aligns with that? Because if it's out of alignment, it's not the right answer for anybody. And that's both affiliation methodology or working with us. Perfect. And I can't think of two better guys to work with other than Tony avoiding you, me and not coming on the show. But I'm going to reach out to him. And then please uh, introduce me to whoever you were referring to earlier, financial and gymnastics. Yes, dude. Uh, you would, you'd have an awesome fucking conversation with him. I'll, I'll put you guys in touch. Thanks, dude. All right, Chuck, have a good rest of your day, and uh, I'm you. sure we'll be in touch. And I'll, I'll shoot you over the um, information for the rescue. Sweet, dude. Thanks. You got it. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, best hour of their day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at best hour of their day. Once again, 
We couldn't do this without the amazing community, and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.